This headline is a real head-scratcher because it begs the question, you know, whether or not there are two justice systems in the country. And this is a case out of Hamilton, and it raises that question, I think, directly. And it involves a 19-year-old Good Samaritan who was uh, killed in December of 2017 when he went to the aid of an elderly man who uh, was being harassed by two men outside a mosque. And that's when Dale King pulled out his gun and shot Yosef al-Hasnawi in the stomach killing the Brock student. And the defense argued, yeah, it was self-defense. In a Hamilton courtroom, a jury found him not guilty of second-degree murder. How could this be? Well, the judge ruled that the jury didn't need to know about the accused man's violent past. And when you look at Dale King's past, he was convicted of assault five times, including assault with a weapon and causing bodily harm. Why didn't the judge feel that the jury should know this about his character? Well, because he's indigenous. The judge argued it'd be prejudicial. So now we've got one dead 19-year-old Good Samaritan and a guy with a mile-long rap sheet walking free. Joe Newberger is who I thought of directly this morning when I heard about this. Of course, he's our Global News Radio uh, legal expert. Hello, Joe. Good to have you. Thanks, Alex. When people argue or say that judges have become too activist in our system, you know, you look at a story like this in the comments he said in his ruling, which were, quote, we need a more liberal approach. We are evolving. It's important to combat stereotypes. What on earth happened in this case? Uh, I think uh, the judge went a bit too far, maybe not. Um, yeah. I mean, we know there's, as you know, there's this yeah. case called Corbett where Uh, certain aspects of a prior criminal record, which can be prejudicial to a fair trial, ought to be uh, excluded before a jury. And so in this case, there are prior acts of assaultive behavior where the individual was convicted, and they're appropriately excluded. The difficulty here is when the accused testified and said, I'm not the type of person to do this, or I would never do this type of thing, that immediately triggers character evidence. And the judge at that point decided that the Crown still was circumscribed by the ruling and would not be able to advance details of the criminal record. And so that is going too far. Right. Because in other circumstances, if I have a client, they put their character in issue, they can go right after them. I'm I'm a little shocked Mm -hmm. by uh, how the judge handled it in this case, because the minute that accused put the character in issue, the Crown should have been able to go after him uh, with the criminal record. Right, because the Crown had no way to characterize this offender, who had been painted by, of course, the defense as a hard-luck guy with a sad childhood. And he got on the stand and even told the jury he wasn't capable of such a heinous act. Well, how's the jury to know? um, And how's the Crown to put forward a, a, a case when they can't say probably one of the most important factors? Well, uh, that, that he can't carry out such a heinous act. I mean, this is this is who he is. I hear you, and but it's very dangerous in in our system to have what's called propensity reasoning. Because somebody has done done something in the past, it doesn't mean they're necessarily guilty of it in the future. And this is you know relative to certain other principles that we now have in our in our justice system. That being said, the the the, the major error I see here was excluding the criminal record the minute the accused put the character in issue. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I see the problem. Now, other people may reasonably differ and say, well, if the person has an assaultive background, then that should go in, and then the judge can give some sort of limiting instruction to the jury as to how they use that, but then you never know how a jury will use it, and they could use it improperly. And so there can be cases where somebody has not committed the offense, but because for years prior they had a certain uh, lifestyle or certain things happen to them, and then they get convicted because of that past. And that's the stereotype, and that's the, and it's not even stereotypes, it's about propensity reasoning, which we've got to be very careful of, and our system of justice has protected for a long time. But again, I'm sorry for being repetitive. The minute an accused says, I would never do that, it's game over. Right. Your record comes out. Right. So this will I, lead to an automatic appeal. I should hope that the Crown appeals this thing, because, you know, we do have something called the Gladue um, that's part of... And I don't really know how you, you what it, you call it, but Gladue, which is in yeah. place for Aboriginals, but it's in there for sentencing. It, it, it's to sentence. So if an Indigenous or Aboriginal person is convicted, yeah. then the lawyers or the judge can decide, you know, can use part of their upbringing or their past to help determine sentencing. But this was done outside of sentencing. So did this judge get con- confused about how this Gladue works? Um, yeah, in a way. I mean, Gladue principles are applicable, as you aptly said, on sentencing. And uh, at a trial, the judge may still look out in certain cases to make sure that an accused isn't faced with stereotypes. That being said, it's not Gladue principles. It's simply about past criminal record, which is not directly relevant to the issue, but could be highly prejudicial. That's the issue, not about whether his this individual's Aboriginal and has this poor upbringing. I think what the judge was trying to say is because this individual has lived such a tragic life, he should not be penalized at a trial on a second-degree murder to have his record come in. That is applying a type of Gladue principle, but there can be many offenders or, let's say, accused individuals who have had very unfortunate upbringing, and you would not have the same applied to them. So I think it's unfair, and it's not appropriate unless you do it for everybody. Right. And and but there are good cases where, you know, an accused has a record and appropriate charges are are kept from a jury in order to maintain the fairness of the trial. Well, that, but that again, I get. But but again, they could have done it many which ways they could have said, yes, he does have a past record. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how you would get away with not explaining what that record is. Right. But again, you know, yes, he has had past, um, you know, the judge could have laid it out saying, yes, this offender has a past history. But let's not judge him on that. I don't know how he would do it. But again, I, I, to me, this, this case is confounding. It is. And, you know, I, you know, curious to me about how, how it all unfolded, because, you know, there, you know, if there's a reasonable apprehension, the Crown has to, you know, once there's an air of reality, really, to the defense, the Crown has to uh, displace the self-defense argument. But, I mean, you know, it was a gun as to allegedly perceiving a knife in circumstances where, you know, I, I I I don't see how the self defense was was really applicable, but I'm not putting myself in place of the jury. But in any event, the the issue really should have been the minute this accused put their character in issue, that's it. It's free reign for the crown to cross examine them. And you're right, this will be appealed, and it'll be something that the court of appeal will have to rule on. And if they rule in favor of saying, well, in certain instances, because people come from certain backgrounds where we've uh, built in these principles that would equally apply, then we're going to have a very different uh, system of justice for well, one class of individuals versus another. Right. It, it sets a totally different uh, precedent where you would actually have to um, c- 
completely divide the systems. You'd have one system for indigenous people and one for the rest. We do not want two systems in this country. No, and, and you raise an interesting issue because you might remember uh, some time ago, Justice Nakasura in the Superior Court gave a break to uh, an, an individual of um, African-Canadian background and uh, had had you know a fairly uh, a tumultuous uh, early childhood with mm-hmm. lots of, and they took into consideration systemic racism and marginalization, and those issues were relevant, and it was relevant on sentencing. But then where do we go from here? Does this mean then individuals of a similar background also should never have a criminal record entered or used for cross-examination when they put their character in issue at a trial. And then what about other people? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's it's a very slippery slope. I agree with you 100%. I don't think this was the, the proper approach. I think the initial Corbett ruling is probably sound. But again, once you get up there and you say, I'm not that type of person, too bad. You're going to go, you're going to have your criminal record literally shoved down your throat, as it should be. Yeah, and then when you got a judge who says, we need a more liberal approach, right there, he's inserted his own opinion into a case. I think he got it very wrong. Well, Joe, we'll wait and see uh, to wait and see where this headline takes us, but I appreciate you uh, breaking it down. Trying to do my best. Thank you, Alex. Have Joe. a great show as usual. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Take care. Bye. That is Joe Newberger, who I uh, immediately this morning was like, Joe, what about this case? What in God's name is going on? I think it's a very dangerous case. So we'll wait and see what happens.